What up, what up? This is Orlando Thompson. My guest today is Jim Sokol. This is episode five of The B-Side, brought to you by Some College Radio. Welcome to the B-Side. Well, I'm glad to be here. Glad you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I guess the reason that I asked to speak with you today is because I, we've known each other for... A long time. Since you've been here. Since I've been here. Since, since, day, since day one. Yeah. So about like three years almost. Yeah. And um, we hadn't really had a chance to talk. Like, you know, it'd be me... My wife, right, and then you know, so yeah. um, so here we are. So here we, we are. We have our chance. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know anything about you, really. I know that you love art, and um, and so, that's about it. Okay, we well, traveled to Cuba together, and I still you want a, you want a really quick history. Let me. Well, okay, you go ahead. Get, all right, do this. Do me this favor. Okay, tell us who you are. Okay. Uh, it, oh, oh man, and I forgot to bring your business card because your business card does a really good job of wrapping it up. <laughs> uh, I have one I can give you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so before we get into your business card, give us a really good elevator pitch of who you are. Okay. Uh, I'm a native uh, Birminghamian. Uh, grew up here, was educated here, uh, have been here most of my life. Um, I'm pushing 80 years old, so I've seen a lot of change in Birmingham, and it's uh, uh, shaped a lot about who I am and what I think about and what I'm involved in uh, because of the, the, the turbulent history that I grew up in and the changes that I saw. I haven't been away from Birmingham too much uh, other than traveling, which is I've, I've traveled a lot, and that's shaped, uh, shaped me also. Um, I, guess, I guess the major part of who I am was probably determined by, by those things. Uh, the times that I were away was serving in the military when uh, in, in college, and, uh, and I lived in, uh, in Mobile, Alabama, for uh, eight years, and I, I despised it. Um, snooty place. Mobile was, was snooty. Mobile was snooty, yeah. Uh, had a funny experience when I was, when I was there. A, a friend in, invited, that I made, invited me to a, a, a big party, and to introduce me to people, and uh, there was a woman, uh, sort of the reigning queen of Mobile, and he introduced me to her, and she said, uh, young man, where are you from? And laughingly, I said, well, I'm from Mobile, <laughs> since I had just moved there. And she looked at me, and she said, young man, you may live in Mobile, but you are not a Mobilian. Wow. So that was, that was the, my taste of Mobile. So anyway... <laughs> Um, so let's see what, what else. Um, so you're in the military? Well, yeah, I had, uh, not, not for, not for long. They had just put in a, uh, a new, a new act. Uh, and this is going back to my college days, uh, where they were trying to get a lot of people trained, but they were trying to cut back on the budget. And so, uh, I signed up for an eight year hitch. 
but only six of it were six months of it was active duty, mm. and the other seven and a half years was active reserve, which meant I had to go. I was a weekend warrior, you know, once a month. Mm-hmm. And the chance that I took was uh, I knew I would despise the army, you know, and all the rules and stuff like that, which I did. Well, yeah, I ended that? up I ended up reflecting back, and it was a good experience. But um, what year? I knew I didn't want to be. Uh, subjected to all the rules and regulations and have to do this and that. And the chance that I took was that we, if we had gotten into a war during my reserve time, then I could have easily been called up. But right. I was willing to take that chance. So, well, what, what year was that? Uh, it was when I was at, uh, I went to Tulane University in New Orleans. And um, I was a terrible student, you know, New Orleans. Uh, I was a really good student at uh uh, in the French Quarter, but not very good at, at the university. <laughs> and uh, at the end of my sophomore year, uh, I had a negative grade point average. And, I didn't even know and that existed. My dad said, uh, he said, Jimmy, I'm going to give you two choices. He said, uh, you can drop out of school and go to work, or you can go in the Army and get out and come back to school. And that was my choice. So... That was my wake-up call, mm. and that, that, was, that was a life-changing event. So I took the military, and uh, um, as I said, I hated it, but it did me a lot of good. You know, right. it sort of straightened me out and realized, you know, that I, this was my big chance, and I didn't want to blow it. So that was, that was part of it, too. So I don't know if that's a very good a- answer to your question of, what Tell year? me who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that works fine. I didn't realize you were in the military. Um, I guess we can figure. All right, let's do this to to give us the year. Maybe later on, I'll, okay, I'll uh, dig into. Uh, do you know the year? Yeah, oh. uh, I went. I went into the military at, uh, in uh, February of nineteen fifty seven. Okay, for six months active duty, and I came back and uh, I went back to school, and I'd lost a semester. So the following summer of 1958, I went to Samford University here in Birmingham right. and took the courses that I needed to, so I could graduate with my class. So I actually ended up getting my military hitch behind me and, and graduating with my class at the same time, wow. which I, you know, I was, I was very proud of myself. That's pretty uh, impressive. <laughs> for doing that. <laughs> and I ended up with a positive grade point average. <laughs> so so that, was, that was the time. Uh, what was it? What was it like uh, back then? Like, what was it like going in to the military back then? Because I mean, it's, it's ten, 10 years after the big one, right? Um, but what was happening around that time? Well, um, we were involved in uh, Korea. And we had just ended the Korean conflict, or whatever you call it. Right. And it was before Vietnam. And so it was in that interim period, you know, which was uh, really when the civil rights movement was was in its earlier stages, you know, uh, it, it really cranked up in, I guess it was 1954, after the, after the, uh, the school decision uh, mm. to, to integrate schools. And that sort of created... The White Citizens Council, and and all of that stuff was always below the surface. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I was not, or my family was never part of that because uh, that's not the way they were brought up. Uh, 
nor was the way that I was brought up, plus the fact that we were Jewish. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and so we were, we were sort of on their secondary hit list, you know, as, as it, 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 we still are, you know, right. with, uh, under uh, our, our new uh, regime or whatever. <laughs> so everybody that, you know, that's a little bit different is on the hit list. Right. Well, the hit list probably started back then, and, uh, you know, I was, I was aware of it, but I was not involved in it. I was too concerned with my own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had my own goals, and I was focused on trying to get that done and get my, uh, to graduate and go to work and make a living. Uh, I got married in 1964, had a child in 1967. These are really turbulent years. And, uh, but my focus was on trying to make a living. Mm. You know, it was, it was very personal. What did you do to make a living? Well, my family had a retail furniture business. Okay. And uh, we had a store in Mobile, and that's why I ended up down there. And we had uh, five or six stores around Alabama. Our main store was here, but we had stores in uh, Tuscaloosa and smaller towns around. And uh, so that was, that was what I did the first uh, eight or nine years of my working career. And then in 1960, 1968, we, we sold our business, and uh, so I knew I had to do something else. Right. And I knew I didn't want to go back into retail. You know, I, the I, I did not like to do 60-hour uh, weeks and work two or three nights. <laughs> so uh, I knew I was not going to do that, and I wanted to come back to Birmingham. My then-wife was from here. We had an 18-month-old 18 daughter, and we wanted to come back here because uh, neither of us had any family there. And so I decided I was, the only thing I could do, I, you know, I couldn't practice accounting or law or medicine. I didn't right. have that kind of degree. And I was pretty good at sales. And so I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something in sales so I can make a, a decent living and, uh, and develop other interests that I had. Uh, so I narrowed down to, uh, to, to real estate and financial services. Okay. I came back and interviewed some places, and I ended up uh, going into financial services. And I did that for 35, 38 years. Wow. Retired when I was uh, 63. Mm-hmm. I was, it was very planned. By that time, I had, uh, you know, developed interest in a lot of different things. Um, and somehow art crept in there. Um, and I decided... That and uh, that I wanted to, um, I wanted to spend some more time in the community. Mm-hmm. I had I'd started working in the community uh, as a, you know a volunteer, and uh, I served in you know lots of capacities in, within the, the the Jewish community and lots of capacities in the general community. Right, and. Uh, and I really enjoyed that, and it, it helped. It helped to shape me because it shaped me because it got it got me involved in a whole lot of things that I didn't know a lot about, mm-hmm. and uh, it made me think about other people more and what kind of problems and lives that they had, and put me more in touch with uh, the community. And I have been sort of a community person since I was in financial services, and then it, at some point. Uh, began to make enough money where I could make, you know, contributions. Right. Uh, but it, it, you know, that took a while. That didn't happen 
uh, immediately, and so that got me more involved. And and uh, at some point when I was uh, beginning to accumulate art, I never thought of myself as a collector, but I always, you know, objects appeal to me. Yeah. And, and I was drawn towards it. And I, I'm, I'm a reader. I'm, a, you know, just a crazy, crazy reader and would read lots of stuff. And I, I realized that, uh, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, I was buying all this stuff. And, you right. know, I didn't have any background to speak of other than what I picked up in, in say, art history. And so I decided I would audit courses at, at UAB, mm. and which I did. I audited every course in the art department wow. except one. Uh, I, I, I never took any Asian art okay. because I was, you know, really drawn towards uh, more Western art. But I took every Renaissance course, American art, all the way through. And uh, I didn't want to have to depend on uh, uh, having to write papers and take tests, although I did sometimes because right. Lydia and I were beginning to travel soon. And right. I didn't want to say, Lydia, I can't go because I have a final exam. Right. You know? <laughs> and then... Uh, it, at some point, um, I, I guess it was uh, 19 years ago, I became a docent at the museum mm -hmm. and uh, and was taking classes as well. It, it uh, still taking some stuff at UAB, and one of the docents there uh, said, "Why don't we think about spending a semester in Florence?" Italy one summer so we did and we uh, so I, was, I spent a summer in Florence taking uh, Italian art history yeah. and Italian language which I was poor at really really not good at, at languages I had taken Spanish in, in in high school and I never made better than a C hmm. but I wanted to do it you know uh, I really I wanted to be able to communicate with people um, in Florence and yeah. I you know I, I had uh, slow Italian down. You know, I could I could go to the marketplaces and order, which you had to do every day. You know, right. no refrigerator, to, or a little bitty refrigerator. So I had the experience of, it was only six weeks, but it was great, you know, right. to be immersed in a different culture and to walk everywhere. You know, there's the, no SUVs in Florence. <laughs> <laughs> the streets are narrow. <laughs> And you shop every day because you don't have the convenience of a, a refrigerator, and you you are you you pay attention to water, you pay attention to electricity, yeah. because you can overload your lines, and you 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 have a different respect for for things that we take advantage of here. Don't even think about right. You know, you didn't turn on the water and let it run while so, you so turned around warm, and did something. Right. You turned it off. Or the next time we, you took a shower, you're going to freeze your butt off. <laughs> That's the weather, yeah. the culture was. So, so that was that was fun. So, anyway, here I am. It's like a new awakening. This is this is a, this energy is a new um, what do you call it? It's like you're you're an active you're an activist now. Well, I became one over yeah. time. You know, I reached a point where uh, I wasn't going to let anybody 
say stuff like that around me. Uh, and if if I were, you know, like if if I had been around people who use the N word, yeah, I'd call them out, and and I'd say, you, you know, I was, and I try to figure out a way to do it in a civil way. And sometimes I could, sometimes I couldn't. Right. You know, I. But I just wasn't gonna, and I, you know, I think I just grew into that. You know, became confident, and that if I thought something, I certainly could express it. You know, so. I keep getting born again. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, well, what were some... I'm, so I'm, 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 I'm circling into something else now. Okay. going into something else. Um, what were some of the things that you like to do for fun? Like, uh, were you ever a runner or mm-hmm. anything like that? Yeah. I just have two new replacements from it. And I knew so that's that I from was running. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not. It, it's not. It is obviously running is not a good thing for you to do. But I ran for probably. Uh, I can remember. I started when I was 26, living in Mobile, and Lydia and I were running together. And I remember the day I stopped running in 1993. Hmm. We were running up a hill by the uh, sort of the Mountain Brook Y that used to be a, something else. And I said, Lydia, I can't do this. I can't, I can't get up this hill. Never ran another step. Wow. And I had changed over to doing workouts in the water because I knew it was coming. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I did that for a long time because it was a, uh, I thought it was really healthy. Uh, it, was, it was fun. It was entertaining. You know, I, I ran with a, a group for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd meet at 6 in the morning or an afternoon group and, you know, go do an hour or whatever we were going to do. And it was just fun. It was, it was fun to get the, the high of running. And then when I met Lydia, uh, she started running with me. Mm. And uh, so we did that together uh, for a long time. We ran in two peach trees, mm. 10Ks in Atlanta. And that was great fun. And then uh, I couldn't run anymore. What do you do now in, in for water. exercise instead of what? Water. Um, oh, okay. I, well, actually, uh, I, I do a lot of exercise. My day is planned around that. I think about what, what time today am I going to exercise and build a day around that. Or if I'm doing something, where is the exercise coming? Right. So my goal is five hours a week of something. Uh, it can be more, but if it's less, I feel bad. You know, just psychologically. Yeah. Have have personal trainer three days a week. I ride a recombinant bike. I started walking, so I'll be able to do this Berlin trip. Okay. You know, when I look at that itinerary, <laughs> jeez, I'm going to have to walk. So I'm now I'm now up to uh, an hour. Okay. Uh, I know I'm going to have to stand on my feet for you know in museums and stuff. Yesterday I did. Uh, Two docent tours back to back. I was on my feet for two and a half hours. Dang. And, you know, standing in a museum and walking around is really hard. Yeah, because the floors are hard. And... The floors are hard and you're not moving and yeah. or as much. So I said, okay, I, I'm getting there. You know, I, I'll probably be able to do that. So, but anyway, um, I just do a lot of stuff to keep healthy. And I have to, I just have to do it. It keeps me walking. 
Uh, I, I know that uh, if I live long enough, uh, it will deteriorate. Mm. You don't get better with all this arthritis and right. you know spinal stenosis and all the stuff that comes with it. But I want to stave it off as long as I can. Right. So what I do for fun, uh, we travel. You know, we don't travel as much as we did it's because it's, it's harder and harder. It's the ordeal of flying and all that stuff. But uh, we uh, got a place at the Gulf, uh, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah. We popped down there for a weekend. So, and we, we have uh, lots and lots of friends between the two of us. You know, we have, we have legs in different places. Yeah. You know, so Lydia's made friends that are now my friends. I have friends that are now her friends. The museum is probably the centerpiece. Uh, we probably traveled, oh, God, 50 times wow. at the museum. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, like, it, it's, it's a great way to really engage people. You know, like, in, it, it, I feel like, when, like in Cuba, we make, we always make new friends on a trip. Yeah. We know more about somebody that we didn't have a relationship with, and now we do. Uh, you know, like Carl, I didn't know Carl very well at all. Mm. And, uh, and we are decent friends now, you know. We, yeah. And that, and, and that happens on every trip. And, and it's, it's around something where we're with people of uh, like interest and sharing a good experience that uh, changes who we are in terms of uh, opening that window that's painted shut to make you uh, expose yourself to other people and other ideas. And it's, so that's, you know, it's great fun. Yeah. And like, you know, Bert, like if we go on a trip, we spend infinitely, infinitely more time reading about what we're going to do than what we're going to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just, you know. Uh, that's unless you're like me, where I, I just kind of go. Like, well, go. I, and that's, that's fine. That's, yeah. that's okay. But, you know, like if we're going to Cuba, you know, Lydia's getting books on the Bacardis and, uh, you know, the history of Cuba and yeah. all that. And, and then, uh, you know, we got all this background, and then after we go, we we read more about it, and uh, it's kind of it, like it, being on YouTube. You just kind of fall down that right. hole. That's of, right, yeah. and it and it it just keeps leading you. Yeah, it keeps leading you. So, so you know, overall, life is good. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints. Well, on that, um, and this is, I feel like people always ask this. They ask this to people. Like, oh, how is it that? Like, almost like advice for how to live life right. Oh, like, God. You know, like, what is your, what's your, what's, what? Hmm. Well, look, you know, if I, if I were Socrates, I would say the important thing is to live a meaningful life. Okay. Now, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> but that's what he said, or something like that. Right. I think it was in a whole book. And I think Plato wrote another book. No, Socrates didn't write books. Plato's the one that wrote the books. Okay. And he wrote down all the stuff Socrates said. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, for, for me, it's, um, it's trying to, to have a mindful life, be aware of what I'm doing, and hopefully to have some kind of impact while I'm here. 
Mm. Um, but if I don't, I'm trying. And I think if you find a way to involve yourself and uh, think of things besides yourself, that that's, that's for me, it's, it's the way to, uh, you know, to happiness. And everybody's got to find their own path, I'm sure. But you got to search. You got to take the steps down the path and see what's right. Not very sage. <laughs> Socrates wouldn't like that. So. Well, do you think you've made an impact? Uh, like, can you, can you, you know, are there people out there? Are there are you things out there that you've been like, yeah, I really had a hand in that? I, yeah. You know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I decided I wanted to do, um, I don't know, 20 years ago? longer maybe, is change the makeup of things. I advocated for, in every organization I was in, to have a diverse board. Uh, I sort of instigated uh, Ralph becoming chairman of the museum board, Mm -hmm. Ralph Cook. I was I was the head of the uh, committee that the governance committee, which is that's where you want to be if you want to make change in the governance committee because you can see who gets to be appointed to the board, mm-hmm. and uh, and those things have some impact. You know, we we have to get used to seeing people in different roles. And accepting that. Yeah. And I think we can all play a part in that. But, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've, I've made a conscious effort to do that. How many boards are you a part of? Well, I'm, I'm in the process of getting off as many as I can, but probably uh, I probably served in, I don't know, 20 boards. 20 boards? Maybe more. I mean, I don't, you know, I not don't a, believe. Not all at the same I don't. Time. Be, I don't believe in in longevity. I think you should go in and have term limits. You know, I don't think people should be on the museum board for thirty years. And I was insistent on getting that changed. So right. That we have six year, ter- two three year terms, and then you have to get off. If they really like you, you can get invited back on. But, uh, and I've always wanted to be in some kind of a leadership capacity. If I was on that board, I didn't want to be one of 60 that did nothing. Right. And that was that. That's my fault. That's you. Yes. Okay. It's probably one of those BS things. Anyways. um, So what kind of boards are you involved in? Well, I've been been in... I've been involved in, uh, you know, anything within the Jewish community. I was uh, uh, the, the overarching uh, sort of like Catholic charities in the Jewish community, or sort of like the United Way is our Jewish federations. And I, I was, you know, on that board for a long time, served as chairman of the board there. I've been on foundation boards. I've been on the civil rights uh, 
board, became good friends with Fred Shuttlesworth there, mm-hmm. and just, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's been civic organizations. It's been different kinds of things. And I have a certain role that I'm good at playing, and I know that. You know, like if uh, if if somebody needs to change a board, call me. I know. I mean, I I paid my dues yeah. personally, and people, I think, respect that. And if I ask them to do something, would you serve on this board? It, I can have some influence there. And I've done it with, you know, with HECA, with women's shelters, with anything that interests me. Um, You know, I've been on uh, Magic City board, anything that, you know, if I'm I'm interested, I'll I'll do it. But I won't do it if I'm not. I don't want to be just a name. Right. So I'm on a board of uh, Living in Limbo, which is LGBTQ. I mean, it's just what I'm interested in. Yeah. I'll get involved. So. That's cool. And. Wesson told me to, one, uh, say that she wished she could be here. And two. I do, too. <laughs> and Lydia, t- want, you know, we want to get with you all before you go. Yeah. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. And two, she says there's there's a new piece in your house. There is. Go look in the kitchen. On the floor. Yeah, okay. go, go look in the kitchen. Ugh. Oh, wow. It's a whole kitchen floor. How about that? Wow. That's cool. That's cool. It's, a, uh, it's the, the woman uh, from Columbia. The one that's doing the Ava yes. thing. And we, uh, we've gotten to know her really well. And uh, we had her over for a glass of wine and then went out to dinner. But I, I asked her if to come look at the floor. And what was happening was that the pickling was wearing out yeah. in there because it gets such heavy use. And I've tried to come up with ideas to... To do something to you know rip that part of the floor up, this that, and I started looking at gym floors, you know, gymnasium that has the decals down. I said, yeah, yeah. got to be something like that I could do. Well, here's Jessica, and she's doing that. And I said, well, will you come? You know, when she was over here, I said, is there something you could uh, you could do on this floor? And she said, yeah, absolutely. This is three weeks before she left home. She left mm. to go home, and. Uh, and I said, well, can you stay over or come back? She said, no, I'll finish it while I'm here. Let me, let me work on some designs, get prices for you, and uh, it'll be a quick process if we can do it. Well, it was. Wow. You know, she's one of those people that, she's like Wesson. Yeah. You know. Gets it done. It's a timetable, and you're going to get, it's going to get done. Yeah. Uh, but unlike Wesson, who has uh, lots of hurdles to go over, Jessica is just Jessica. She just made a call. Made she can happen. do it. Yeah. Here's here's what we're gonna do. And she, and she did it. She showed us four designs. We picked one. She said, "I'll have prices to you, and you let me know by Friday." Well, uh, she got prices to us. We let her know right then. This is the one we want. She started she started work the following. 
Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Had it finished. Wow. Her father came down, and uh, I'm not talking into the mic anymore. You're not. Her, her father came <laughs> down. Uh, nice guy, and we invited them to come over for wine and went out for dinner with them and wanted him to see the floor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just loved it. He loved it. So we have, uh, I don't think there's another kitchen floor in the world quite like that. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there are that many people who would want it, but right. it's pretty cool. I mean, you're kind of one of a kind. I mean, this, it's, it, this, all, it all fits. Right. You know, and, there's a certain pattern to the abstractness of uh, the art that we like, yeah. in addition to the, the stuff that's, that's based in uh, human rights issues. Unfortunately, there's no visual, like I'm not just in the video, so you can't see everything that's on the walls and all of the floors and everything. You can't see all this stuff. No, you can't. Uh, but um, maybe perhaps we can end this with maybe a story of one of these pieces. Okay, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about this piece. Which one? Uh, the, uh, it, it's the diagonal um, color piece. Okay. Donald... Uh, O'Dealy did it. Uh, you, you met O'Dealy? I don't know. Okay, anyway, uh, he's a Jack Shaneman artist. We've known him for a long time. We have lots of his work. We're going to the beach one day, and I said, uh, Lydia's talking about we had a piece there that we wanted to give to the museum and see if we could get O'Dealy to do a piece for us, mm -hmm. a big piece to go there. And uh, so we started talking about it, and I said, you know, I've got this idea. I said, I would like him to do a double portrait of us, but do it in his style. You know, he, he's one of these artists that believes that you can transmit ideas and feelings with color and shape and all that. You yeah. know, really, and, and you know, I, I think you can. So uh, Liddy was driving, and I, I, I called him on the phone. I got him in a studio, and I said, let me run this idea by you, what we're thinking about. Uh, we're thinking about you doing a double portrait in your style, uh, the way you want to do it. And the only thing we will do is send you some colors that we would like to have in it. And we'd like it based on, you know, probably historical uh, double portraits of people. Mm. So he said, he said, I really like that. Send me some stuff. So uh, when we got back, I sent him a picture Sent him two pictures. Uh, Are you trying to pull one up? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm stiff. I'm so long. I have to okay. Look so send him this picture. On the, it's on. That's the picture on the back. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. It's uh, uh, Jan Van Eyck, the marriage of uh, Jan Van Eyck of Arnold Finney, the Arnold Finney wedding. It's the name of the piece. Uh, Name of the piece is Arnold Feeney, Wedding, Jan okay. Van Eyck. And we sent it only for the color. And then there's another picture that uh, is, a, here, here's, here's that picture. Oh, I okay. tried to copy, not so successfully. <laughs> here's, here's the other one. It oh, is, yeah. It is a double portrait by Piero della Francesca, Italian. Of a, and, and we said, you know, just do... We're sending you this for the color of double portraits. These are two of the most famous double portraits that have ever been painted. And so he said, I like that. So 
He used the colors. Mm -hmm. And so what you're looking at is colors that are based on these two paintings. Uh, you're in, uh, so you've got Piero della Francesca and you've got Jan van Eyck. And so we see the piece. We're on a trip with Graham to Philadelphia, and we go to Odile's studio. And the piece is uh, just being finished. Mm -hmm. and, and we see, oh, it's the first time we saw it. Commissions are dangerous because they're yours whether you like them or not. You know that. <laughs> so, uh, and we loved it. And he said, he said, I threw in some Picasso. He said, the, 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 uh, the diamonds that you see are based on La Avignon, Mademoiselle de Avignon, you know, the great picture that he did, the, uh, the first Cubist picture okay. that he did with the uh, using African masks and the shape of the mask are, are very much like that. And he right. said, he said, I borrowed three of those to separate uh, you and Lydia. Mm. And uh, so he said, so now you've got you've got a Picasso influence along with the two Renaissance masters. And uh, and then he said, can you tell which one is uh, you and which one is Lydia? So I ask you that question. Can I tell? Yeah. Can you tell? Oh, wow. What do you think? Uh, man, that's tough. I, I would put Lydia on the left side. And I don't know why I would do that. Okay. Uh, he said Lydia's on the right side. And he made, he, he said that. Uh, what he, did you think when you saw it? I thought I, thought I was on the uh, left. Because I, what I interpreted from just looking at it myself is that, you know, Lydia is more perky, active, people think that I'm subdued, mm. you know, if it, you know, because a lot of times I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the quiet one and, and, you know, Lydia's active and perky and, yeah. and so he painted her that way. I but, actually uh, kind of thought a, the left side was more like, you know. Well, out. it's, 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 it's a little bit less intense. Yeah. It's uh, not quite as much going on. It's true. Uh, but they're both terrific. But I lo we just loved it. So that's the that's my that's wow. my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> and that's our show. But if you haven't had enough, follow us on Instagram at tbs underscore podcast. If you want to holler at us, we want you to holler at us. Send us an email to somecollegeradio at gmail.com. And do not forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. The B-Side can be found just about everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. But if you are listening on iTunes, review us because it helps. Special thanks to my guest, Jim Sokol. Shout out to my producer, Kalina Baller. Music by Brian Wilson. This show was edited by Kalina Baller. <laughs> and I'm Sam Peace. Peace.